Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to today's podcast of Chef Special on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm your host, Patrick Honeywell. Today's special guest is Vincent Pilon, executive pastry chef for the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. A master chocolatier and pastry chef, Vincent's accomplishments include past gold medal championship wins at Food Network's 2005 Chocolate Challenge, 2006 Chocolate Runway, 2008 Food Network Challenge Chocolate Masterpieces. He's also won in 2007 U.S. Chocolate Masters Gold and National Taste Award. Twice named Top 10 Pastry Chef in America by Pastry Art and Design. So let's check in with Vincent. Hey, Vincent, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Thanks for uh, joining me on the show today. I'm, I'm honored, but you're, you've been a friend for quite a while now. So, yeah, you know, you're just another friend today, okay? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Hey, so listen, um, I'm excited to have you on just briefly. Uh, when I first started this podcast a while back, you were always the one I wanted to interview the first on my first uh, podcast. So it's really cool that uh, here I am finally, after about 20 of them, I've got you captive. <laughs> well, your, the honor is mine. <laughs> oh, thanks. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. You've got, you have a huge uh, resume, uh, Chef. Let's talk a little bit about your, um, how you started out in France, your training. And then how you made it over here to the U.S. Oof. Uh, how long is your show? That's a long Let's story. go with the short version. <laughs> All right, the short version. Uh, I, I was seven years old when I wanted to become a pastry chef. And I never changed my mind ever since. And uh, I was doing really well at school. Uh, but at 16, I wanted to become a pastry chef. And my teachers were upset at my parents because uh, I wanted to leave school to go to pastry school. And so they called my parents and they asked them, they told them that they wanted me to stay at school and study a little longer. And my dad told them, they said, that's what he wants to do. That's what he'll do. And uh, they say, my dad told them, if he wants to be a garbage man, then he'll be a garbage man. But thankfully he doesn't want to, he wants to be a pastry chef and that's what he will do. So that's how it started. At, uh, at 16, I went to pastry school and I did an internship for two years uh, for pastries. And after that, I did another year for chocolate because during my pastry apprenticeship, uh, we studied chocolate uh, toward the end of the program. And for some reason, chocolate was hard for everybody, but for me, it came naturally. So I... I realized that maybe I had a gift with chocolate and maybe I should pursue further. And uh, so I, I specialized in chocolate. I, I did another extra year for chocolate, uh, study chocolate and, um, and the rest is history. You know, after that, uh, I, I got a job for, for a year and, I, and back in 1995, uh, the army in France was, was still mandatory and I had to go to the army for a year. So I, I left work and I went to, to the army for a year and they sent me to the paratroopers. And so it was a year, very interesting year. 
very, very, very interesting, I will say. That's actually the place where I really learn the most about myself and how far I can go mentally and physically. And uh, so, so that, was, uh, that was my year in the, in the army. And after that, uh, I went back to Paris and, and I worked for a year in pastry, uh, no, in chocolate, in a chocolate shop in Paris. And I just, it felt like every day was like the movie uh, Groundhog Day, you know? It was the same day over and over again, you know? And I, I, I was so bored. And, um, and I said, all right, I, I want to go to the US. I want to learn English. I want to go there for maybe a year or two and then go back to France and may hopefully open a business. And I took my backpack and uh, no visa, no job, no nothing. Well, actually, I had a, I knew um, uh, Payard in New York. Payard in New York was um, opening um, a pastry shop and uh, he offered me a job. So I flew there. I flew there with nothing, really little in my backpack, no visa, completely illegal. And, uh, and I started working for him and, uh, and every three months I had to go back to France and, and go back to America. I get a new three month visa, you know, but when I was at, in Payard and, uh, at Payard in New York, I met uh, Jean-Philippe Maury and, uh, Jean-Philippe Maury was a pastry chef at Payard and, uh, a few months after that, they offered him the, the executive pastry chef position uh, at Bellagio to open the Bellagio back in 1998, so 20, 22 years ago already. So he asked me if I wanted to open Bellagio with him. He wanted a chocolatier over there, and we were going to re revolutionize the Las Vegas. Las Vegas was never going to be the same after the opening of Bellagio. And me, I didn't care because, you know, all I had to move was my backpack. So, <laughs> well, actually, uh, by that time, my backpack uh, grew up, uh, grew to a suitcase, you know? So I moved to Las Vegas, and the Bellagio, the Bellagio did my visa, and they got me an uh, O-1 visa. So I was, I was legal now, finally. And, yeah, and for three years, I had a visa, and, uh, and we opened the Bellagio. That was very, very, very painful because nobody had an experience in hotels and this, especially in volumes, volumes like that. You know, we all worked in little pastry shops in Paris or the biggest thing was the pastry shop uh, that we opened uh, in New York, Payard. And that was pretty big, but Bellagio was 20 some restaurants and, and 200,000 square feet of banquet space and 4,000 rooms, I mean, 3,000 rooms. But we did it, we did it, but we did it uh, not knowing really what we were doing. So extremely unorganized, wasted, wasted a, a lot of hours, you know, just because we didn't really know what we were doing. We knew pastries, but we didn't, I mean, you know, uh, it, was, it was just very painful. And then after, I remember the first day of the opening of Bellagio, I worked 21 hours and, and that was tough. And then I got home, 
slept for a couple hours and went back for another 18 hours. And it was the same for the next three months. For three months straight, we were 16 hours a day with no days off. I was completely exhausted. And um, because back then, Vegas was a lot of, uh, you know, people were making cakes from mixes, you know, they open a bag of mix and uh, add water or blah, 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 and made, everything was nothing, pretty much nothing was made from scratch. And everything, all we knew was making anything from scratch. So we had to train the, the, the employees, we had to, to train everybody. Me, I was in charge of all the chocolate in the chocolate room. And none of my guys knew how to tamper chocolate. Because back, back in those days, there was a company, a chocolate company called Samper, Samper Chocolate. Kind of like a pâte à glacé, you know, you, you warm it, uh, the, the pâte à glacé, you know, and then and you can use it. They yeah, didn't know it's, how a, it's like a, a coating chocolate, right? Just coating. Exactly, it's, it's yeah. a coating chocolate. So I remember the first time uh, I asked them to tamper chocolate, they looked at me like I was coming from another planet. You mean like France? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yes. <laughs> Which is a different planet, you're right. Uh, so, so that's, that's why we work so many hours is because instead of taking the time to teach them, we were trying to do as much as possible ourselves. And I remember after three months and being tired, my boss, Jean-Philippe, came to me and he says, well, I've been uh, watching you for all this time and to me, basically, you're making these guys a paycheck. Uh, how about you stop uh, teaching them so they can stop producing a little more so you can manage because that's your job, you're a manager. And I said, yeah, but if, if, if they do it, they're not going to do it the way I do it. And then you're going to get pissed and you're going to chew my bottom, you know? And he said, that's right. So teach them <laughs> and teach them right. So... Of course, I was pissed, but uh, I started showing them how to do this and how to do that. And surprisingly, they were doing amazing. So surprisingly, I was surprised, but, uh, but, but honestly, they, they were talented and I didn't give them enough credit, you know. And, uh, and then slowly, I was able to delegate a little more. And I was able to manage better. And then finally, I was able to take a day off. After three months, I took one day off and I said, oh, my God, it's, it felt like vacation, you know. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to. There's so many things I wanted to do on my day off. And, and basically, I went to bed and I woke up and I literally slept the entire day. And it was time to go back to work. <laughs> After three months, you know, things are starting to roll you you're a little more organized and then and then uh and then i stay at the bolagio for five years and it was five amazing years and that's those were the great days you know it was from 98 to 2003 and uh it was just just amazing you know and uh and then in 2003 i went to the rio so the Rio is, is not the Bellagio, was not the Bellagio, but it taught me another, another aspect of the business, which is the business side of it, you know, the, the real management side of it, you know. And uh, because at Bellagio, I was, you know, 
focusing on chocolate and and production but not so much in management and um so back in back then i i met uh, uh what's his name jim mcnamara great pastry chef amazing manager very very smart guy and he taught me a lot he taught me a lot uh, because in las vegas yes you need to be a good pastry chef but you need to you need to be able to run a business you know and that's that's what goes on in the office is as much as important as what goes on on the floor. If you're, if you're organized, if everything is organized properly in the office, everything runs smooth on the floor. And that's very important. So, so yes, I worked there for three and a half years, almost four years at the Rio. And that's when the man that they call me. And, uh, and that's uh, that's when I was uh, ready to become an executive pastry chef. So I went there, and I wanted to learn the volumes, because at Bologna it was all about quality. At the Rio it was a lot of management, and Mandela Bay was management and volumes, and I'm talking about volumes, big volumes. Well, it's uh, Vincent. It's huge volume there, right? So. Uh, did they have the convention center tied to it at the time or not yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, two, th uh, two million square feet of banquet space. In the, in the, main, um, in the main room, you could put uh, three Boeing 747 next to each other. I mean, we, we, one time we did a, a banquet for 10,000 people. I mean, uh, can you imagine me coming from a little boutique uh, chocolate shop in Paris? doing played up for 10,000 people. It was just crazy. But uh, very important, you know, to, to know volumes. Yeah, that's another aspect of what we do that uh, I wasn't too familiar with. And so I stayed there for seven years. And then, and after seven years, the Cosmo called me and offered me uh, a position at the Cosmo. And, and I was very attracted to the Cosmo because I think it's, one of the most beautiful hotels in Las Vegas. It's it's amazing. It's newer. It's it's younger. It's more contemporary. You know, it's it's not a hotel you would expect in Las Vegas, but more in New York, San Francisco. You know, uh, very modern. Uh, just beautiful place. And what I loved about the Cosmo is is the size of the volume was just perfect. The size of the hotel was perfect, and the quality is to the roof. That's what I wanted, you know, so, so now I've been there for almost eight years. How do you prepare for a competition? Well, you know, it's uh, competitions is, is really, it was never for the competition itself. I, I really wanted to, I never competed to beat people. I competed to against myself. I really wanted to prove to myself that I was the best or one of the best. And that's truly what I was believing and I really wanted to prove it to me. I wanted not just to talk the talk, but I wanted to walk the walk. So, and, and to me competing was not fun because it was never about the second place or the third place, it was always about winning. And there were no other options, you know. So I once I 
I decided to compete. And once I was in, locked in it, I was living, breathing, sleeping the competition, you know. So a competition like the U.S. Chocolate Masters or the National Pastry Team Championship, you are a year prior to the competition. So for the entire year, you compete. So for the entire year, that's all I was doing. On the top of that, of course, you have your job to do during the regular hours, your day. And at the end of the day, on your weekend, on your time off, you know, there's 24 hours in a day. So, and that's, you know, after work, it was all about the competition. So, uh, I was, I was able to win all these competitions and, and I was very happy, but I competed for actually for two people to prove something to two people. Like I told you, the first person is myself. The second person was my parents. No, I mean, well, my dad, my dad was the best at what he was doing. He was, a uh, my, my specialty is chocolate. His was wood, you know, he was a carpenter. And he was very respected in his, uh, in his field. And, and I wanted to be as good as he is in my field. You know what I mean? And the fact, the fact that I left France and I, I studied a career here in the U.S., uh, I wanted to prove him that it, I did the right thing. And I wanted to prove him that I just wanted to make him proud. My dad and my mom. And um, so... So I was, I was very happy to, to do all this competition, very happy to win all this competition. But after a while, I was done with competing. I didn't want to compete anymore. I had nothing to prove to myself. Because at the end of the day, there is not the best pastry chef, the best chocolatier. There is a bunch of guys that are elite, you know. But you can't say that this guy is better than these guys. It's two different styles, two different people, two different approach, two different visions. And some people like uh, these guys work better than this guy. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's all about judgment. It's, it's amazing how people always want to be the best. This guy is the best. Michael Jordan was the best uh, basketball player. No, it's uh, LeBron James. No, it's uh, blah, blah, blah. No, you know what? I, to be honest, I don't think one was better than the other. They're just absolutely amazing. Both of them completely... Uh, Complete different style, just amazing. So it's the same thing for pastry. It's the same thing for chocolate. There is not one guy that is better than the others. There's just a, a group of elite uh, chefs, and, and that's who I wanted to be. So I did all these competitions, and these competitions uh, truly helped me because when you do a competition, you have so much time to do a showpiece or dessert. And... When you first practice your piece, you, let's say you have eight hours to do a piece during the competition, but the first time you make it, it will take you 24 hours, two days. How do you reduce 24 hours within eight hours? You know what I mean? So you practice and you practice and you practice, and the more you practice and you go from 24 hours to 14 hours, you already shared 10 hours, but now you're still short, you know? So then that's when you start thinking about making a mold, the silicone mold, or, or maybe techniques. Invent, you, you invent techniques just so you can gain time, you know? And that you use it on your everyday life, you know? 
you you always try to shave time you always try to be more efficient efficiency uh, at work is very important especially when you do the volumes we do uh, you have to be efficient you have to be organized you know so when you do competition you work on your timing you work on your equipment you work on your molds you work on you know and you learn a lot of things along the way and makes you a better pastry chef do you have like in the in the um let's say for a competition for a showpiece chocolate do you have a particular type of chocolate you like to use or a brand well uh, brand no not specially you know uh the i'm a huge um Feltlin chocolate guy. It's it's a Swiss chocolate. It's 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 a beautiful chocolate to work with. It's very easy to work with. It's it's an amazing chocolate. Very fluid, you know. Uh, and and flavor wise, it's just the Swiss. Uh, the Swiss do it the right way, you know. Uh, what else? Uh, Valrona is an excellent uh, chocolate. Also, not not as easy to work with, uh, especially in competitions. But uh, I'm talking about uh, show pieces. I'm not talking about flavor. Uh, uh, and then Cocoa Berry is also an excellent chocolate. Those are the three big brands, you know. Cocoa Berry is excellent also. But as far as a, a, a preferred chocolate to work with for competition uh, uh, would be uh, the dark chocolate, you know. Dark chocolate uh, because it's a little uh, stronger than the other chocolate. If you use white chocolate or milk chocolate, you, you know, when you do a competition, it gets hot in the room. And if you, if you use a white chocolate or a milk chocolate, the uh, chances is are your piece is going to be weaker, weaker because the chocolate is softer, you know? So you have to use a dark chocolate. Um, but, uh, but you know what? Going back to competition and artistry, if you make a, a, a beautiful dessert, because, you know, when people eat desserts, first they eat it, Eat it with their eyes. You know what I mean? And now, if it's beautiful, and then you taste it, and it tastes amazing, you have a very powerful com uh, com combination, you know? And also, desserts is the very last thing uh, in your meal, you know? So if you have an okay service, or okay food, but then all of a sudden, the grand finale is the dessert, and the dessert is amazing, then it's, at the end, you leave the restaurant with a, with with a good experience, you know, because it's the last thing that you remember. That's so true. And just a quick uh, story at the Western Hotels many years ago, I'll, I'll never forget the catering director came to me after dinner. I think it was a surf and turf, you know, when they served it, she goes, oh my gosh, it didn't turn out so well. You know, that you got to save us with the dessert. I mean, hopefully it'll be really, really good because it's, it can be the last impression they get. And like you said, visually, and people will sometimes will say, wow, it looks great and it tastes great. But also, it could be this. It could save save the day. But at the same time, it cannot just be pretty and not as great. It has to be both. You know, you have you can't just concentrate on the artistry of it and not on the flavor of it, of, on the flavor side. You know, it has to be both. So when you do, let's say a dessert, Vince. I'm sorry. When you do a dessert, like you mentioned, the type of chocolates you, you like to use for your um, showpiece. When you do the dessert. Um, What's your go-to chocolate uh, for like a mousse or a chocolate cream or what type of chocolate do you like to use for that? It, it depends. I, I don't have a favorite one because it could be milk, dark or, or white, you know, because if you want something very chocolatey, of course, you're going to use a dark chocolate uh, in a high percentage, you know. 
but but and a lot of people say if you're a real chocolate lover you love dark chocolate white chocolate is not chocolate and i'm not a fan of uh, milk chocolate and i i disagree because i'm not a big fan of white chocolate but white chocolate in a dessert could go really well if you have something more tart you know like a yuzu mango passion uh, lemon you know white chocolate you know the sweetness of the the, the white chocolate and, and the tart acidic flavor profile of the, the citrus flavor, you know, goes really well together. You know, at, at Cosmo, we have a dessert on the buffet that we call a Zenith. And it's a white chocolate mousse with a coconut uh, crunch and a mango passion uh, uh, cream. And it, it, together, it's just beautiful. And it's refreshing, you know, and it's white chocolate, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's whatever you pair with it, you know? So when you, when you look at pairing or or let's say go back to the chocolate or or your choices in it, when you got here, you know, from France, I'm pretty sure, especially when you're at a a really nice property, big property like Cosmo or any of the others, um, the American palate, you know, when you're gearing something towards the, the customer, uh, depending who the customer is, if there's a group coming in, the American palate is different than maybe a European or French palate. What would you say you've you've seen over the years? Well, um, I feel like, and I'm talking about twenty some years ago when I first came to the U.S. Because it the the evolution of the palate here in the U.S. is absolutely amazing. You know, because I remember back in the days, it was all about brownies and cheesecakes and and apple pie and and it's People still love these, those are classics, but it was really hard at first because I feel like in the US, people are addicted to sugar. You know, um, I remember I remember when we were upon Bellagio and I was talking to all these guys and everybody says, uh, we love chocolate, I love chocolate, I love chocolate. Okay, so I give them some chocolate that we used to work, you know, some high, content chocolate, you know, 75%, 80%. And they were like, oh, wow, that's, that's not good. That's, that's not good. I said, no, that's chocolate. That's real chocolate. Yeah, yeah. What you're referring to, and I won't say brands that people grew, grew up with in the U.S. Oh, yeah, let's say it's like Hershey, for example. All I taste is sugar. It's, I, I don't like it. I, I don't like it, and it's, it's not chocolate. Now I, I, I see people eating chocolate, like good chocolate, uh, appreciating chocolate, uh, high con- uh, cocoa flavor, uh, flavor chocolate, you know, they're, they're getting less and less uh, 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 attracted to sugar and more and more focusing on the flavor, you know. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing because maybe it was before, but I never noticed it. Uh, it depends also where you live. If you live in New York City, if you live in San Francisco, if you live in Chicago, in those big cities, you know, you're used to the good restaurants, you're good to the good stuff. But Vegas, back in 20 some years ago, it was all about buffets at $4.99, you know, $4.99 buffets. It was all about gambling. It was not about the food and beverage. And now, now people come to Vegas just for the shows, for the food. It's not all about gambling anymore you know what i mean now the food's amazing the the chefs that are recruited to go to vegas are top 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 it's it's amazing you're right you're right it's amazing uh uh i and you know what the funny thing is 
when I first came to the US, I said, I go there for two years and then I go back to France. And within six months, I knew I would never go back because uh, I, it felt like home. You know, it felt like home. It felt like I found the place where, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but uh, you know, especially days like the days we're living and where people are not so proud to be American anymore. I can tell you for a fact that these people don't know. They have to travel and they have to go around the world and realize how lucky they are to live in America. This is, this is the best country in the world. And I come from France. It's a beautiful country. I love France. But there's nothing like America. And, and now, of course, I, I'm, I have my French citizenship, sorry. But I also, I'm a, I also have my American citizenship. And I am proud. But I feel like I, I'm prouder to be, to be American than most American people. I know. Now we have, you know, the, the COVID thing, which hit, which is crazy, how it's affected all of us, you know, in the, in the industry and Vegas, I'm sure that, it, I mean, it hit really hard. What do you, what do you, what do you see now versus, you know, what you saw and what do you think is going to happen in the future? Uh, these are tough time, you know, it's tough time for everybody. You know, I, my team, I went from 35 people to 12 people, you know, and these are people that I work with every day and, they're like my family, you know, so, so when, when they're not here with you anymore, and then it's such a very small uh, team, it, 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 I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking, you know, it's heartbreaking. Uh, Vegas, as far as Vegas, it's amazing how Vegas, you know, if things are going to be fine, or if things are going to be bad, just watching the way things happens in Las Vegas. And, and we went from a, a strip that was closed. I, it's the first time in my life that I'm in Las Vegas and the strip is empty. You could walk in the middle of the strip. It's, it feels like one of those crazy movies, you know? Uh, uh, you know, so we reopened the hotel back in June, June 4th. And, and at first it, it, it started slowly and the business started uh, picking up more and more. And on weekends we're packed. People, people, if they don't fly, they drive, you know, and there's a lot of Californians and people from Arizona, anybody, anybody that can drive drives to Las Vegas. And on weekends, like the past weekend was a, a Labor Day weekend. The hotel, I was there walking the floor of the hotel uh, on Saturday night, you would never know that uh, it's the pandemic and there's the COVID uh, around. I mean, you know, because everybody's wearing a mask, but the, the, the place was packed. The place was packed. And um, so you can, you can tell that people want, they, they want to go out again. They, 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 they want to move. They, they, they don't want to stay in place anymore. They want their life back. You know, so the restaurants are busy, the hotel is busy, the buffet is busy, everything is busy, but the only, the one thing that's missing, and that's the bread and butter of Las Vegas, is banquets and conventions. And there's none of it right now. So 
so it's hurting us until uh, until there's conventions and, and banquets you know again Vegas will be just quiet you know so it's quiet it's quiet it's quiet during the week and it's busy on weekends but that's not that's not Las Vegas Vegas is is a 24 7 365 days a, uh, a year you know it's it's uh, and it's not like that anymore but but we're doing okay but we're not great you know what i mean well in order to to work at a place like the cosmo and, and run an amazing pastry shop you must have a, a killer team to work with you want to talk a little bit about your team i do want to talk about my team because my team is everything that my team is uh, i mean i'm not just saying this just because it's the right thing to say it's it's the truth I wouldn't have the career I have if it wasn't for my team. And like I was mentioning earlier, what goes on in the office is as important to me as what goes on on the floor. So a lot of pastry chef friends of mine that I know, they focus on, on the talent they surround themselves with. And me, and I'm talking about pastry skills, I focus on surrounding myself with smart people. You know what I mean? Because they make me look smarter, you know? And the thing is, they, I mean, don't get me wrong, they are very talented in pastries, but they're also very smart. And that's very important to me because I need managers. I don't want superstars, I want managers, you know? I, because if everything runs smooth in the, in the bakery, if everything goes well in the office, if everything is, is organized, it, it free my time so I can be creative. And the creativity is, is what gets me, makes me get up in the morning, you know what I mean? So if I had to be in front of a computer all day, I'm dying, you know what I mean? So I have, I have, I surround my, I surrounded myself with very smart people, people that can manage properly, people that, and we've been together for, Christina, for example, my assistant, I've been with her for 12 years. She followed me everywhere. So, you know, she's in my head. I'm in her head. It's, 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 it, it's very smooth. It's amazing. And you know what? Three, uh, two of, of my three sous chefs are uh, women. Because I feel, and again, I'm not saying that because it's the right thing to say. It's, it's been like that my entire career. Surrounded myself with, with women because they're just loyal, hard worker, and, and just smarter. Just, just smarter. And you know, they're also very artistic. They have that little thing that guys don't have, you know? I, I owe them everything, you know? I have their back, they have my back, and it, it's been like that. It's been a great relationship, and, uh, and, and hopefully it will last uh, for another 20 years. But uh, uh, I, I, I can't say enough how much I appreciate my sous chefs. Your group is super, super loyal to you. So, you know, that's a tribute to you. And it's a two-way street, you know, it's a two-way street. It's, a, it's not what I can do for them or what they can do for me. It's, it's what we can do for each other. And honestly, I can take days off or I can go on vacation and I don't worry at all. I don't worry because when I'm not around, they're actually more focused than when I'm there. You know what I mean? Just because they don't want to let me down. And, uh, and, and that's the best feeling, you know, that's the best thing ever. And, and, and you, cannot, you cannot not be successful if you don't surround yourself with the right people, you know?
So Vincent, um, I heard about this butter cake that you make. Butter cake. Uh, I'm not sure exactly uh, what you do to it to make it special, but I would love it if you would share with us, uh, like at home. Like let's say you're you're visiting me in Costa Mesa, Patrick. Let's make butter cake. So tell tell me tell me about that recipe and what we need to 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 do to to make it here at home. Well, you know, it's uh, I mentioned the butter cake to you because it's the last thing I've been working on. Uh, it's not a fancy dessert. It's not a piece of art but it's so damn good <laughs> you know? perfect and you know you know it's funny because there was a time where i was really into beautiful dessert almost show pieces you know uh, pieces of art and the older i get and the and I, the more i go back to my roots and and home cooking and and grandma's cooking and and not so much about the look but really about the flavors and and the experience and um and then i went to that restaurant and i had a butter cake which i never heard of before and it was so good it was so good and i said you know what that would be a perfect dessert for maybe a room service or a coffee a coffee shop you know not a coffee shop a cafe you know and um so I, I i went to work and i got on the internet and i looked for recipes and i and i looked at videos and and i tried so many recipes uh, and then at the end i took a little bit of this one a little bit of this one a little bit of this one i made it my own and and i think it's 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 perfect the way it came out now so uh it's it's an american classic actually it's a very old dessert and it has a lot of butter and have a lot of cream cheese and it's just to die for very wow. this sounds like a protected recipe would you be willing to share at least a version of it with us Nothing is protected with me. I'll share anything with you, you know, so, or, or with anybody. There's nothing. I, I'm not hiding anything. So the butter cake. Uh, but so for the people listening, I'm sorry, but I don't speak ounces and, and tablespoon and it's all, it's all about grams uh, with me. So I hope, hopefully they'll understand. Uh, butter, 400 and 53 grams sugar 400 grams cream cheese 150 grams eggs five eggs vanilla a little bit of vanilla uh, all-purpose flour 240 grams and salt half, half a teaspoon and that's for the cake and then on top of the cake, there's the filling. That's the cream cheese filling. The cream cheese filling is, is cream cheese, 339 grams. Powdered sugar, 339 grams. And three eggs. So the way you do the cake, uh, first you preheat your oven at uh, 325 grams, uh, 325 uh, uh, degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Then you cream the butter and the sugar together, you know, with a paddle on the, on the mixer uh, until it's uh, nice and fluffy. And then you start adding your cream cheese. Cream cheese, make sure it's uh, room temperature, not uh, straight out of the cooler. Otherwise, you're going to have uh, lumps inside, you know. You want it to be nice and creamy. So uh, you use the cream cheese uh, 
you know, take it out the, the night before, for example, you know, overnight. Uh, so it's room temperature is perfect. And then, so you add your cream cheese and then, and then you mix it. And then slowly you add uh, your eggs. And the eggs also has to be room temperature. So your cream cheese and your eggs, make sure you take them out uh, of the cooler the day before so they'll be at perfect temperature. So you start adding your eggs, your five eggs, one by one. And then, and then you mix it. Once it's uh, nicely combined, you scrape uh, the, the side, you know, make sure you scrape the bottom, the side of your mixer. And then you add your flour, you mix it, and you're good to go. That's it. It's that simple. So what I use is I use those uh, spring, uh, uh, spring pans, you know, but the, the small one, the individual one, the four inches one, you know, not the large one, huh? because uh, I do it individual. Um, and then uh, you, you put, uh, you cut uh, butter on, uh, on your spring pan, and then you put sugar and you empty the sugar. So, you know, it's all um, sugared on the bottom and on the side with butter. And then you pipe your, your cake batter, you know, in it. And then, then you do your filling. You do the filling. So you, put your, you mix your cream cheese, your powder, sugar, and your eggs together. And you pipe that on the top of your cake, on the top of your cake batter. All right, that's that simple. And then you put it in the oven. And you put it in the oven uh, for about 30 minutes. You don't want to overcook it. You kind of want to undercook it so it's a little gooey, you know? After 30 minutes, you take it out of the oven. You remove it from your, well, you let it cool down a little bit. You remove it from uh, your uh, spring pan and it's perfect. That with a scoop of ice cream, woo! <laughs> Once you put the flour in, the leavening is really just with eggs or you don't add any baking powder, chemical leavening at all? No, no. And that's why it's, it's a very dense cake. Yeah? That's, why, that's why it's so decadent, you know? And that plus the, the cream cheese filling on top that is very soft. It's, uh, I'm telling you, man, it's, um, it's, 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 it's really good and it's nice. And, and because, of, because of the sugar that you sprinkle around your pan before you put the, you know what I mean? It, it, the, the sides are nice and crunchy. Like a crispy crunchy, yeah. Nice. Crispy crunchy. Inside it's nice and, and moist and, and dense. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's just to die for. And, and with that, you put a, a scoop of ice cream on top and maybe some, you know, uh, macerated strawberries. Oh. <laughs> that sounds yep. amazing. That sounds amazing. And with that cheese on the top baked, it's almost like a, a version of a cheesecake baked on top of your beautiful pound of butter cake, you know. Very true, yes. It, it has. And you know what? Cheesecake is American's favorite. I mean, you cannot go wrong with cheesecake. You can put 15 items on the menu. You put a cheesecake, it's always going to be your best seller or one of the best seller. Yeah, it seems like it's always cheesecake or something with chocolate. Those are the top. Yeah, chocolate. It, you know, it's funny because my passion is chocolate and I, I, don't, I give you a, a non-chocolate recipe. So I think it's awesome. And it's something, I, I mean, if you were to go into some fancy chocolate, people might not get it at home. This is a beautiful thing to share. Thank you very much. Well, Vincent, thank you so much for uh, being uh, with me today on the podcast. Uh, again, I've waited a long time and uh, this is an honor and kind of like a dream come true for me. And you're a great, great chef and you're super humble and a great guy and a good friend. So I appreciate your time. 
Thank you very much. And for people that don't know me or don't know my work, uh, I put all my uh, pictures of desserts and chocolate and room amenities and it's all on my Instagram. My Instagram is at V-P-I-L-O-N, V-P-I-L-O-N. For all of you listening out there, Chef Special is part of the B-Lead Podcast Network. Check it out at bleed.com. And follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Patrick Honeywell. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.